what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, the first job I can remember, well, I wanted to be a nurse or a, a computer engineer because that's what my parents did. Then I think we went on a trip to SeaWorld and I wanted to be a marine biologist. And then for a bit, I wanted to be a doctor, but my mum being a nurse strongly discouraged this because she knew I wouldn't be able to do the night shifts. Mm. <laughs> I think it's good to have people there with experience sometimes to be like, no, don't do that. You'll hate that. <laughs> yeah, she was really good. She was like very, she wasn't like, don't do it. Like she organised loads of work experience for me at the hospital because you need to have like 10 weeks work experience or whatever to get into medical school. But she was always very like, are you sure you know what you're getting into? <laughs> leads, leads, leads. What is happening? Welcome to episode 19 of Working Hours, a show about a place called Leeds, a time called now and an activity called work. My name is Simon and you're listening to my guest Catherine Irish. This is another Zoom interview recorded on the 9th of July 2021. Catherine Irish is a digital marketing specialist at NewGen Audio. NewGen Audio's products offer market-leading fidelity and unrestricted creativity in every situation, providing a direct and intuitive way to work with sound. The company's tools make it easier to deliver high-quality, compliant audio while saving time, reducing costs and preserving the creative process. Catherine also teaches coding on a volunteer basis at Code First Girls. Uh, you can visit Code First Girls at codefirstgirls.org.uk. If you're a lawyer and you're listening to this and you think you might be able to answer some questions that you already know the answers to, then please get in touch with me to arrange a time for us to record you for this show. Email me at workinghourspod at western-studios.com. Put in a short bio and some suggestions of your availability. Also drop me a line if you have any queries or feedbacks, complaints or compliments. If you can be generous and wonderful enough to leave me a review, then please do so. I still haven't had any feedback yet, so it would be great to see some. If you can leave a really good review for me, please, that would be really good. Okay, so what is it that you're doing now then? Um, so now I'm, my official job title is Digital Marketing Specialist. Uh, okay. Normally whenever anyone asks me what I do, I just say that I do tweets. But I do a sort of a mixture of, I guess, social media marketing, email marketing, a little bit of like web design, kind of like user experience design, and quite a lot of data analysis as well. So is that on a freelance basis? Is it a full-time position or is it your own business or how does that work? Um, so I'm currently doing that for a small software company called NewGen Audio. Mm -hmm. uh, so we make audio plugins used by people who kind of a mixture of companies and freelancers I guess but people that may be uh, making a tv show for Netflix and they need to meet the kind of specific Netflix uh, audio standards so we kind of make software to help with that so I'm doing that full-time I occasionally do a little bit of freelance marketing as well and I also do some freelance work um, teaching and promoting an organization called Code First Girls who mm -hmm. aim to encourage more women to get into tech by learning coding. Mm. Okay, so um, have you, do, you, do you code yourself? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do quite a lot of coding. I started, I think it's something my dad kind of taught us when we were very young, just because he used to kind of like teaching us stuff. And he's quite into sort of electronics and computing. 
uh, and then I got really into it when I was about 17 because there was a summer holiday where I was just really bored and I had nothing to do mm. so I just started taking like online classes and then I kind of kept it up when I went to university dropped it for a bit after I finished university and then I've been kind of getting back into it ever since the pandemic started and again I was just kind of bored and had nothing to do so I was like well I guess I'll go back to coding uh, and since then I've kind of gotten quite involved with Code First Girls and I've also this job I'm doing at the moment I've only been doing for about six months and that's kind of opened up a lot of opportunities for me to to use it more at work as well because I'm doing a lot more data analysis rather than just marketing on its own. So did you go down a like you said you went to university were you studying like a technical qualification there or was it a marketing qualification? I studied maths at university um, okay. which is just I don't know it's it's quite a like well-respected degree but I also look back on it and I don't I don't know if it's that useful a degree <laughs> like it's not you know like math, some mathematicians are very um can be a little bit snobby about it and be like oh well engineering's just applied maths but I always kind of think like but at least in engineering you're kind of learning to do something practical but you know in maths you kind of learn a lot of very abstract things that you can only really use if you become an academic of maths Mm. but I found it it does suit me quite well because I I studied a lot of statistics Mm -hmm. um, and although it's not marketing isn't necessarily the like most obvious kind of path to go into from a maths degree Mm. there definitely are kind of aspects of of my maths degree that are quite useful and mm. I found I found a couple of other people who've come from studying maths who've who've kind of ended up in some kind of marketing as well. And I mm. think especially for digital marketing, there's a lot of there are a lot of numbers. So I guess mm. it kind of makes sense there. I'm thinking there that you know, you're talking about maths and you're talking about coding and there's there's sort of, you know, and you say maths isn't particularly useful necessarily. But I think there's something there in that, you know, your coding is a bit mathsy you know yeah. it's, it's like levels of ex- abstraction and being able to think like you know something representing something else I think there's something there I think there, pro- there probably is something there but it's just I guess yeah it's it, it is more difficult to quantify than uh, like my little brother's studying engineering and he'll you know he'll probably study that and then he'll become an engineer and it's you know I learned this and I'm using this whereas I guess with maths there probably are things I've learned that I am using but I'm not sure which ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, what brought you round to the marketing side then? Was that sort of starting your own businesses or working on small businesses? What brought you into that? I don't know. I absolutely fell into it, to be honest. Mm. I, um, I finished uni and in my final year, I'd, I'd kind of done one of these, uh, you know, like student union elections. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd run to be the community officer of Leeds University Union and kind of put a lot of eggs in that basket, mm-hmm. but didn't win. Um, and then I was like, well, I need a job. <laughs> and I ended up, I ended up um, getting a job as a trainee accountant at Leeds City Council. And I was there for about three months before I was like, no, I don't like this. I don't want to go down this route. Um, 
it's a, it was a really like it, you know it was, it was a great scheme uh I, I think a lot of people when I was like you know I'm gonna leave a lot of people were like what are you doing but yeah, you're mad <laughs> a lot of people were like you've got a really like steady job here they're gonna like put you through your qualifications and you've got a guaranteed raise over the next four years like what on earth are you doing but I sort of started looking for other jobs and an internal role came up which was doing kind of community engagement for the recycling department Mm -hmm. and within my attempt to become the community officer I'd recorded a video and put it put it online of me singing a song about bins so I basically sent that in to to the recycling department and they were like you know I went and had an interview and they were like yeah I mean if you can write a song about bins you can come and do this job (laughs) Um, yeah I was there for about just over a year and a half kind of working Mm. in the recycling department and that's how I kind of got more into I I guess that was kind of like comms Mm. and then from there I was able to kind of step into a more kind of corporate marketing role Mm. so quite a quite a weird journey (laughs) (laughs) I think they're I think they're normally weird you know weird's kind of the common factor with a lot of people's work journey uh, especially now you don't have these sort of you know since the, the long-term jobs have have gone people change careers so much and so often I mean I've worked in all sorts of things just like all the time different sectors and you you, you learn different things about them every time you're working in a different sector don't you you know it's not just about lingo it's like how the whole thing works and you know the the different types of specializations and all these different bits like I worked at a company briefly that was selling bricks and I didn't know that there was so much to know about bricks I was just like you know a brick's a brick isn't it and it's you know but they're, they're all different and all different styles and hundreds and hundreds of them and it's like oh who yeah. knew there was so much to know about bricks it's exactly the same with bins I think there's something there's so much detail in these kind of like mundane things that you mm. never you never realize how much technology and research and work goes into something like bricks or like like recycling mm. or whatever and then when you get into it it is just like you can really go down the rabbit hole can't you yeah I mean a lot of a lot of work and, and you know sort of across the board seems to be you know, a lot of it seems to run a bit like a theatre production where you've got this front of like, this is what's happening at the company or on, you know, your, your website. And then you go the back the back end or around the corner. It's just chaos and everything's <laughs> like, you know, just make it work, make it work. Yeah, I definitely so, think that's, uh, that's accurate. <laughs> so how do you find the role? I mean, is it is it challenging? Is it varied? Is it quite samey? Yeah, you, you know, do you... Do you feel that you need to change position quite often? Is that like how you develop through your career of just, you know, it's not, you have to move on to another job to a new challenge to kind of develop things. Is that the the sort of route, the process? I definitely think so far I have been chopping and changing quite a lot. So far, I'm, I'm six months into this job and I think I can see myself kind of sticking at this one for a while. Mm. And I suppose to answer the the question before, I think my job is super varied. Um, I have a lot of freedom to kind of work on a lot of different things. Like I I like to think of myself as like a bit of a jack of all trades where Mm -hmm. 
especially because it's I work in a very small company I have a lot of freedom to kind of be like okay today I'm going to focus on you know copywriting and then another day I might be focusing on some like really in-depth data analysis or user journey mapping or like search engine optimization Mm. there's there's a lot of different things that I can kind of get my teeth into so Mm. I think I wouldn't say like no day is ever the same but Mm. I do have a lot of flexibility to kind of follow follow my interests and kind of be like oh that's interesting I wonder what's going on there and kind of dig into it which I think is yeah like a huge benefit for me of working in a really small organization because it was a massive culture shift going from from somewhere like the council with what 10,000 or more employees Mm. and every you know every time you want to do something in the council you have to ask five different people and get lots of different things signed off and get three quotes and do and do whatever to working in a very small company where you know if I want to check something I can just be like hey can I do this and then someone will just be like yeah cool get on with it <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it's uh because I've, I've worked in plenty of roles of, of varying sizes and it is I think there's a lot more to be gained from the smaller companies there's a lot more camaraderie and stuff um, but it, it is nice to be in a big organization where you've got quite a good team and a strong team that sort of gets on. Um, so you've only been this in this position six months. Mm-hmm. So did you did you interview for this during one of the lockdowns or did you have a face to face? Yeah, I um so my entire kind of application interview and onboarding process has all been during during the lockdowns like it was I think the the first lockdown was my kind of like trigger for being like I'm not really happy in this current role I'm going to start looking elsewhere and I think a lot of people did that thing of oh well I've got all this time at home now maybe I'll try and learn something new or try and do something different or or whatever so like pretty much after a couple of weeks of the first lockdown I started applying for jobs and yeah, I, I interviewed for this job all digitally and I've I've still never actually been to our office or met most of my co-workers in person. Luckily, yeah, yeah. I, I came across this job kind of through word of mouth of a friend who worked at this company already and I knew a couple of other people who worked there too. So that was, I think that's been a big reassurance, especially when I was first starting and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm starting this job online. I don't, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. I think at least knowing a few of the people was very reassuring, but yeah. I've, I've never met most of them in person. Like, I don't know how tall anyone is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be strange of, like, you know, meeting your colleagues. <laughs> like, actually yeah. meeting them. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be you really remember weird. the names of everyone. Like, you know, is it easy enough to remember everyone's names because you haven't got the faces to kind of put to them in? I've got I think because we do quite a lot of they are quite good in that we've there's kind of a regular schedule of you know we have like a a daily team meeting on zoom and then once a week we have like a whole company meeting so I I feel like I've been able to get to know people reasonably well Mm. um and I'll definitely kind of I'll definitely know who each person is yeah, but I feel like it will be weird seeing them and being like, "Oh, I didn't think you dressed like that," or "Oh, you're, you're much shorter than yeah, I yeah. thought you would be," or, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
uh, it is it is crazy. So how was your actual in the last job? How long had you been in that position? So as we were going into the first lockdown, you must have been there. How long? I'd literally I'd I think I started the week of the lockdown. Like I'd my I'd kind of been doing one position, and my manager had gone on maternity leave, mm. and I kind of so I'd kind of switched roles but was still in the same department mm -hmm. so I'd, I'd been working in that department for a year but had switched roles and within about two or three weeks was just like no, I'm leaving <laughs> mm -hmm. and then it took it took me about six months to find to find another job that I was kind of keen on so yeah not not very long in that role at all but it I it was a funny one because a lot of the stuff that I should have been working on that I was really excited about when mm. I kind of took that role on and all kind of got put on hold because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, like there were some really exciting projects that were supposed to be going ahead with like a big community engagement aspect. And it kind of went from quite a cool sort of project manager role to more of a like crisis crisis yeah. manager communications role yeah. um quite quickly and I think that yeah the pandemic really impacted the kind of dynamics of that department mm. um so it was quite I think I mean there's no you never really know what would have happened if there hadn't been a pandemic but yeah it's very possible had there not been a pandemic I would have stayed at the council for like another year mm. or even longer yeah but I think the way things kind of <laughs> at that point meant that it just wasn't really kind of suiting my interests so much as what the the job I'd kind of originally signed up for would have yeah were there any was there any sort of fear about moving roles or looking for a new job during during that time yeah yeah <laughs> definitely definitely um it was yeah, it was really strange. I think I was quite worried for a while that I wouldn't be able to find anything because initially I think a lot of companies sort of kind of put a pause on their hiring for a while mm. because they weren't really sure what the kind of impact of the pandemic was going to be. Yeah. And I know, thankfully this didn't happen to me, but I was aware of a couple of people who'd applied for like graduate schemes and stuff like that which normally kind of go ahead on like you apply quite far in advance and they go ahead on the rolling basis sort of thing yeah um and I, I was aware of a few people who kind of had had job offers and then the pandemic came around and those job offers were suddenly kind of rescinded mm. so that was quite scary yeah it definitely it was definitely I think it took some some kind of building up to be like this is the the right thing to do and I did a lot of I tried to do as much kind of networking as I could virtually and got in touch with everyone that I've ever met and was like I think I want to find a new job who sh you know who should I talk to do you know anyone that's left the council and done xyz and that's kind of how yeah. I got involved with Code First Girls as well like someone someone was like oh well I know this person and she does this maybe you just have a chat with her and I yeah. just started like talking to random people on zoom or like just calling strangers and being like help me find a job <laughs> yeah do you, do you think that's that's 
that's the way to go now. Do you think that old sort of, the old school sort of, you know, actually looking for vacancies and going through the vacancies, do you think that's gone or, or at least on its way out? It's never really worked for me, mm. I suppose, even when working at big organisations like the council and having to go through those processes, mm. I've always found that like the biggest advantage you can have when you're trying to get a job is knowing someone that already works there yeah and I think one of the main reasons I was first able to get my foot in the door at the council was because I knew someone that already worked at the council and she was able to kind of tell me a lot of things about how the interview process works what sort of things they look for and I was yeah. kind of able to prepare on that basis yeah um, and I think I've most of the jobs I've ever done I've always had some kind of secret weapon like that where I've yeah. almost had like a, in some ways a bit of an unfair advantage <laughs> um but I, I like to think I just do my research uh, you know it's it's its own skill but I, absolutely yeah I definitely think it's a lot easier to get your foot in the door that way than it is as like a totally anonymous person who they don't know and you don't know them yeah the advice was always to kind of research the places that you're applying for uh, but you know it gets to a point of you know my many periods of applying for various roles and you're just doing so many that it's like you know you're on because that that it, it is just a it's like a production line <laughs> just like firing out emails and stuff but it's much better to kind of like sit down take the time look at the companies look for people look for connections look for ways in ways to be useful all of that kind of stuff that they advise now but then if you go to something like the job center or one of these job programs the first thing they're going to do is spend like you know three weeks telling you about cvs mm. and I, I i don't know about you but have you ever got have you got jobs through cvs that have people asked you for them i have had to submit cvs my current job part of the application process was definitely cv mm. i don't think i've ever got a job by just like sending out cvs willy-nilly mm. like you don't i definitely think you've got a if someone asks for a cv i guess you have to give them one but i always try and make it very uh very tailored and you know i have like a template and basically do a whole new CV for every single application at this point. Cool. So the job itself, I mean, it's obviously engaging you. It's nice. You, you, you're new in the role. It's still like keeping you interested. What are the sort of challenges with this role? What, what are the hard things that keep you interested? I think the, the biggest challenges that I'm, I've kind of struggled with is getting to grips with PPC ads, Google ads and Facebook ads and I guess all, all of the other kind of like LinkedIn ads or whatever. Mm. And I think stuff like that's so hard because there's so many different options. Mm. Like you're kind of presented with this platter of like every different targeting option you could ever want, different creative options, different, you know, different copy. And you should write at least five versions of your copy and make sure you rotate it and... Mm do tests on different aspects of each thing to figure out which is the best one. And that's, uh, that is something I found really challenging, especially c coming from the public sector. I was very used to doing 
a lot with a little and mm. we just never had budget for this sort of thing yeah, yeah it was all about you know how can I get into community groups or how can what can I do that's free that's going to have a lot of reach mm. and there were certain kind of hacks that I found for for doing that but yeah with PPC that's something I'm still kind of really trying to get to grips with is there's there's just so many different options that I you know my manager will be like okay how much budget do you need and what do you think we should do and I'll just be like I have no idea (laughs) I don't know you just you tell me and I'll see what I can do yeah but in in two years you will you know you'll be like you'll be all over that by then just through the process of trial and error and trying different things out so the moment you just kind of seeing what works aren't you really yeah definitely and I think I'm I have learned a lot in this kind of period of time it's just getting over that initial knowing knowing that you're outside of your comfort zone and trying to be okay with that I think Mm. because you know with like the other things I do I was quite I felt quite comfortable with them like email marketing I'd done a lot of that in my previous role and I was like okay yeah I know what I'm doing here I know what the stats I'm looking for are I know how to how to write a good email to send to lots of people Mm. but then yeah going into PPC and just being like I have no idea what any of this is and I have to start somewhere but I just don't even know where to start it took me like a little while to kind of build up the courage to just go in and start kind of clicking around and trying to figure it out yeah yeah Uh, for anyone who doesn't know PPC is pay-per-click isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah the company itself you say it's a small small mm-hmm. small business small team so are they in the tech sector themselves like yeah so it's basically a software development company right like making quite niche software that's used in the entertainment industry yes yeah, yeah so it's kind right. of it's kind of struggling to like when we go to a trade show it would probably be like a sort of tv and film trade show but Mm. what we actually do is more yeah software development kind of thing so there's i i mean what i was getting to was in terms of potential for growth uh so i would imagine there's there's quite a lot of scope there is it is it a business that has grown quite a lot already yeah i think so um i think one of the things i do really like about this they've got very strong values and one of the things our CEO is always kind of saying is he wants us to kind of play the long game so the company's been around for about 10 years and he's kind of very focused on growth but sustainable growth I suppose so I definitely think it's a growing company and it's even in the last year it's grown quite a lot Um, I think they've taken on three or four kind of new employees in that year which in a company of this size is quite like a big percentage yeah it's change. a big increase yeah but yeah it's not kind of like there are some you know startups that but burn bright and burn fast it's it's yeah, very yeah. much kind of trying to be a business that's around for the long haul yeah. and growing but in but not in a way that it can't sustain itself which yeah I think is it, it seems very sensible to me because obviously if you can't sustain yourself then nobody has a job anymore and I wouldn't be able to pay my bills yeah (laughs) which at the end of the day is the most important thing yeah (laughs) Um, so uh 
do you imagine any changes for this role coming from um, what's happening with Brexit? I mean, or, or are you in a Brexit-proof position slash sector? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I guess we're not really... We do sell products across the whole world. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe we've been kind of shielded by some of the specific challenges of Brexit and also the pandemic because we're not selling physical goods. Yeah, is it all digital downloads? Yeah, the, it's yeah. all it's all digital pretty much. So I don't I don't really know. I imagine there might there might be stuff that's kind of going on around that. I don't know if there is anything to do with like. I think there have there's definitely some been some changes in like the finance department and the way they do things. Mm. I I don't think it's anything that's like. You know, you you hear you heard, especially with some of the kind of businesses. I think there was one that like I really remember reading about, like an eel eel exporter. Okay. Bred and export eels to the EU, <laughs> and they they were having a lot of trouble with Brexit because the eels just kept dying en route. Um, so I guess we we don't quite have to deal with that level of logistical challenge. No, I mean it's probably like an extra form on your contract or something, and then like, oh well, how do we cover the costs of this? And with like how do we adjust the price to to make it fair yeah um, exactly. so yeah pretty pretty straightforward i mean that the, the the thing is about being digital is that it is quite you can be so flexible you know um and even with the production of, of physical goods you know it's with and i'm, I'm sure we're going to see more of this kind of coming online more 3d printing and sort of fabrication yeah. labs and stuff that doesn't seem to have taken off yet or it's not quite ready to take off yet but i i can't wait for that i can't wait to be able to you know like rather than waiting for your package to come from amazon you just find a design or something and then just print it out and oh yeah that sounds great i'm very into yeah. that as a, as a concept so you'll be working with screens all day yeah you're sitting all day yeah yeah are you so you're at home if you basically set yourself up with a home office or you kind of like laptop on the sofa or um I think I've I've tried to set myself up with a reasonable home office so I've got Mm. this is my this is my conservatory so it's sort of a a greenhouse slash Mm. living room slash my office um and then my partner's working from home as well so she's got her office set up in the spare bedroom Mm -hmm. but We've only, we've only just moved into this house. So for quite a while, my office was just like in the basement um, mm. in a back-to-back, which was not quite as nice. But to be, <laughs> to be fair, the office I'd been working in previously also had no windows, so it didn't feel that different. Yeah, it's not great, is it? No, um, but I, I try and have like a proper, you know, I've got like a proper chair and mm. like a monitor and everything, so I'm not kind of like hunched over. Um, so I do I suppose the only the only real difference in terms of like I guess my well-being or like what's the word for it occupational health yeah, yeah. um is I used to cycle like I used to live about five miles away from my office mm. so I was I was doing sort of 10 miles cycling every day mm. um and as much as I love not having to cycle 10 miles in rush hour (laughs) 
that was definitely I had to be like oh wait so I have to just exercise voluntarily now not as a not just as a matter of routine which was quite a yeah, difficult yeah. adjustment um were you how much walking did you do through the lockdown were you out every day or I just no because I just I I hate exercise for its own sake yeah <laughs> that was why cycling worked really well for me because I was like I get up I don't have a car I have to get to work so I just it just really like forced me to to leave the house I just can't do it I can't make myself just go out for a walk my manager has been encouraging us to do walking meetings though which I, I feel like feels slightly more productive okay so that, that's, that's, that's an interesting idea so we're yeah. all on zoom wandering around trying to each other in various parks or <laughs> yeah pretty uh. much yeah it only really works if there's only two of you on the call I think yeah I've not I've not attempted it for like a bigger call but yeah just yeah get my get my phone out put some headphones in and just go for go for a wander down the canal mm. and that's quite I definitely think that's like a nice a nice way to kind of get out of the house for a little bit yeah I, just, I am looking forward to, to one day being allowed back to the office because I think I'm gonna I'm, I think I'd like to do a hybrid thing which is kind of what we used to do at the council as well of we'd do like one day working from home so I think two or three days working from home but I do think being forced to leave my house would probably be be a good thing. Yeah I mean was it quite easy to do this sort of working from home it's a, it's a weird one so I'm I'm working for myself now working from home and I find it I can find it sometimes really difficult to kind of motivate myself and mm. kind of get things done and other times you're just fine with it and it's very easy to create a lot of mental excuses of like oh well I can't do this because of this and I can't and I need it to be like that but you know when it comes down to it you just get on with it you know and, and you have to have you found any difficulty with that or has it just been kind of natural to you because you've already had experience of working from home and then to kind of go into it was it quite an easy change it wasn't it wasn't I think it was I didn't have to like deal with the kind of oh I've never worked from home and and like now we just have to set up all these new systems and all that kind of like logistical thing that companies that used to be 100% in the office it was like well now we have to buy everyone a laptop and set all of this stuff up I didn't so much have to deal with that but I think the thing I find hardest working from home is like sometimes you just have like a small question and it's just like oh what's what's the I don't know where's where's the place that I need to go to get this thing yeah that's yeah. just like a really small question and if you're in an office you would just look at like whoever's next to you and just be like hey what how do I do this yeah. I, I think working from home and especially starting a new job from home it always feels like such a so excessive to have to like call someone and be like I have a very small question for you <laughs> so I always just kind of find myself muddling through because I just can't like motivate myself to like make that phone call or send an email when normally you would just be like hey what's what's the deal with this I feel like that's so yeah are you what what chat methods are you using them through through this workplace is it teams or is it slack or what are you using? we've got sort of it's like slack basically we've we've got like a free version of slack mm. um and then email as well and zoom so mainly i guess 
slack for kind of general stuff. Is there a kind of culture developing in terms of these, you know, because I've not been in a workplace for a while and, you know, the, the last one that I was in, they were just starting to get into using Teams a bit more and, and so on. But it's really early days with all of that kind of stuff for most businesses. Do you think there's like a style of working that's kind of developed, especially through lockdown, about how to use the chat in a kind of professional way and how we sort of engage with each other and get benefit from it? Or is it just like people put stuff on there and it probably gets ignored because no one's looked at it? I think, yeah, a bit of both. I think you've got a... There's definitely like a degree of strategy like I always try if I've got because there's a lot of the time where I have like five different things that I need someone to look at and with with Slack I'm always kind of like I can only ask someone to do one thing at a time so I do try and be strategic and be like here's the first thing I need you to look at and then wait till that's done and be like and then there's another thing rather than trying to just dump everything um in one big chat I yeah I do think there's kind of a, a culture emerging there and a lot of companies I guess also have tried to have some of the the more like social side of things mm. on Slack as well by having like a I don't know some informal channels for like new music or pets or whatever mm. but I think as as much as I, I think I really advocate for the option to work remotely because I think for a lot of people it does have so many benefits mm. but I also I definitely think I can't kind of communicate in the same way digitally mm. as I would be able to in real life mm. and I don't I, Did, yeah I was just going to say do you think you would like if you had to work from home for the rest of you know time it's just you're working from home now I mean, would, would you be happy with that? Or would you want, you know, you want that office contact, it sounds like? I think I would be happy with that, but it wouldn't be, like, my first choice. But it wouldn't be a deal breaker for me. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see when we kind of, like, if, well, if we ever kind of come out of this cycle of, you know, locking down and isolating and all these other things and that kind of becomes mm. redundant mm. I'd like like maybe more of that kind of co-working spaces or something like I think equally I could yeah. set myself up somewhere like um what's it called there's a really nice place in town that's above colors may vary that I've totally forgotten what it's called that's like a sort of techie co-working space but it's really nice mm. there and I, I think I would be quite happy doing that or like you know going to going to a coffee shop for meetings yeah I think if it was like we are 100% remote and you are never going to see anyone in real life ever mm. I think I would that would be like a loss to me of some of the things I get from seeing people in real life but if everything else was really good, I think mm. I would be happy to compromise on that. Mm. I think, you know, if everyone, well, not everyone, because, you know, that's just not possible. But if, if there were large numbers of people who were working from home, sort of, and that's it now, I think it would very much change their, 
it, it would change your relationship to work and to what you're doing. It would certainly change your relationship to the company because you mm -hmm. have a much different, like totally different contact with it. You know, it would be a lot more anonymous apart from when you saw faces on sort of chats and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think that check itself out in weird and interesting ways. Yeah, I do. I, it'd be interesting to see. I think the companies that are, there's a few companies that I've kind of seen who've been like, we're, we're all going back to the office now mm. and they've just had like a quarter of their employees quit. So I mm. think employers need to maybe, there's quite like a fine line to tread of like, if people have kind of grown to expect this as a right, mm. You know, you can't necessarily be like, no, we're all going back into the office tomorrow. I don't I don't think it's ever going to go back to that because yeah. I think this like kind of being able to work flexibly or work from home is going to kind of be seen as like a. Almost like a, a perk or like a sort of. A benefit of working for certain companies and companies that don't offer it are going to start kind of losing out. Well, it's also I mean, it's not like it's not like they're you're necessarily getting anything for some people it is like a real benefit to be working from home but you're also where am I going with this I've already lost my point God, I'm useless. um <laughs> what were we saying so they're working from home yeah so it can be like some people really hate it yeah and have a real hard time with sort of working from home and, and kind of getting things done and they need that you know you need that extra space or different space to go into a, to a workplace but as well, it's just uh, people undersell the other benefits in terms of lower carbon because you're not commuting, you're not mm -hmm. traveling. And if there's people in the house, well, it could be more dangerous because you're isolated and you're at home and anything happens to you. Uh, but that's just being at home as well, isn't it? But yeah, so the time zone thing as well, I think, is an interesting one mm -hmm. of like people can kind of choose their own hours if they're working remotely and working and they can literally work anywhere in the world so there's that flexibility where the other sort of benefits you get that extra time like the company gets the extra time because you know you sort of when you roll out of bed and you get your coffee and you turn your laptop on there's those extra few minutes i mean that that like the equivalent of like getting into the office in the morning with your whatever breakfast you've bought in a rush to get to, to your desk and you're eating that as you turn things on yeah i think that i think the costs and the you don't have to hire all the office space so it reduces your, your your you know your initial um costs and the reduction in travel and people having to travel i think are both really good benefits but yeah I do think you need you need the physical presence, and like you say, like if you can't meet in coffee shops or something, then you you, you do need a physical office space or at least a co-working space where you where you book something. It's not really a question there. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the the main thing, I guess, is just that I think the companies that are going to do well out of this are the ones that I guess listen and try and offer as much flexibility as they can to mm. their employees which I think especially because it's a small company new gen have been able to do a really good job of and I think they will be able to almost have like a kind of like here are your different options and mm. you can you can choose from these and you know you can you have to work these core hours but beyond that you can kind of start early or finish late or whatever mm. 
I think that's the kind of setup that's going to become very popular versus I think the kind of traditional like you you know you're working a nine-to-five and you work here is, mm. is kind of dead yeah yeah unless it's like you know a shop or something where it's kind of you know a bank it's like well this is what we do we're open nine to five Monday to Friday <laughs> that's, our, that's our thing <laughs> flexible working at Asda would would definitely be an interesting thing to try so are you um are you finding that you've worked more or less from working from home and do you kind of take advantage of the like being able to have the flexi time where you're kind of on a you you do sort of core hours every day how do you how are you working it um i think i'm probably in my current job i'm i think i at the moment the only the only real difference is the commute which is like do you class that as work or not nobody really knows uh i kind of do um so i think because we have yeah we've got like a sort of flexible work kind of arrangement which works really well because it means that i can kind of there definitely are times where i'm like oh i've got a deadline on this and i do need to work late but i always kind of even it out when things are quieter by finishing early or you know you can take an extra day off or whatever if you've if you've done a lot of extra hours so I think I work pretty much the same as what I would in an office I don't know if this has any sort of things here I used to say to people you know when you when you're interviewing for jobs and stuff it's, it's kind of like dating of they're getting to see you you're getting to see them and you do I like it you know even the when you go into the building because they're always talking about like how you should you know when you're coached of like how you should present yourself and the turning up early and like saying things and you know presenting this good impression but it, it's equally the same for the company of like how quickly they meet you how they greet you who comes down how long they make you wait like what the environment's like what they take you through as you go into the building i am and i i would imagine most other people as you go through that you're kind of going you're getting a sense of the place and going do i like it do i want to be here and those are the things that early on get you excited about a position as you were saying with those jobs of like some jobs that you're kind of more engaged with and other jobs that you're less engaged with and again the, the ingredients of that can be can very differently sometimes it can just be the people sometimes it can be the business yeah I'd, I'd just yeah I'd like to get you to speak on that for a bit and sort of what are your thoughts on that kind of thing I mean what I'm what I'm thinking of like what what do you think are the things that are the ingredients for you that make a job make you connect with a job you know like get you involved and and it's like that that's when you're like I want to do a good job here what are the, yeah, the kind yeah. of ingredients I think I think respect is such an important thing mm. and I think that was something that I really felt was kind of missing in, in some ways from my previous job not from my like immediate team Mm-hmm. but certainly working in a big organization like the council you have five or six levels of management above you mm. uh, and a, cu- a couple of levels above my manager I definitely felt like I was kind of working with people that didn't respect me and didn't respect my knowledge on the things that they were paying me to do mm. and I think one of the signs of like a healthy company is where kind of senior management 
hire people to do a specific job and then they trust them to to do that job mm. because as a man like micromanaging it just doesn't work like you can't you can't do everything you can't know everything you need to be able mm. to hire people to do the things you need them to do and kind of trust them to get on with it so I think mm. that's a huge thing for me and that's something I'm really thankful for in my current company mm. you know I can I have a I'll have a meeting with the CEO and I'll be like well what do you think about this and he'll be like well I don't know what do you, you know what do you think about it you you tell me kind of thing mm. and we can kind of have those discussions and I, I feel like my, my point of view is valued and the the kind of work I've done and the research I've done is valued as well whereas in the council it it kind of would often veer to a more kind of prescriptive thing of like, well, I'm, you know, I'm senior to you, so I'm going to decide. And, mm. you know, I, I think things should be done this particular way because that's just what I think. And therefore you have to do it. Even though I'd be like, oh, well, I've researched this and I've done this research and this says this and this says this. And, you know, I've, I've kind of spent quite a lot of time forming a, you know a measured opinion on this but you think something yeah. else so okay I guess I have to do something else yeah so I, I think thanks, thanks for letting me waste my time on finding things out that you were then yeah. going to throw aside <laughs> and there were just some yeah sometimes there was just some really silly things that would happen sometimes but there were there were a couple of incidents where something would happen where like I'd write a Facebook post and like I would come back later on in the day and I would be like that's not the post I wrote and I would be like, someone's gone in and like edited that and mm. just like added some emojis and like changed mm. the wording around a bit. Yeah, yeah. And that was the kind of stuff where I was really like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah. And it it is like, you know, the worst case scenario is it's someone being petty and kind of like interfering. And best case scenario is... I don't know what. <laughs> like, I just tried to make yeah. it better. And I was trying to help. It's like well, you didn't need to. It was already done. You know? Yeah, and just stuff like that. I think you know. I I think being able to work somewhere where your opinions valued, and also where like I'm not in. Like, there are times when things I do can be improved upon, but mm. you know, I trust that when that happens, my manager will be like. I noticed you did X. I think it would actually be better if we did Y. What do you think about that? And then I can be like, yeah, that's good. I hadn't thought of that. We'll make that change together rather yeah. than, you know, I feel like when, when things just are brought above your head or whatever, and it's like, well, I'm senior, so I've, I've decided this and you don't have a say. I think that's just a, a recipe for low morale, really. Mm. Yeah. So um, let's go back to your workplace, your current workplace. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to kind of touch a bit on customers. Like, do you have much or any engagement with your actual clients? Or is it, I, I mean, I, I imagine you would because you're doing some of the social media stuff. So you've got some engagement from followers and, and so on. Um, I mean, is that something that, that, is that a part of the job that you enjoy or not so much? Like, um, it's not part of, well I was just going to say in terms of retail and stuff like part of the joy of that is that mm -hmm. and the horror is that you're meeting the public and you, you're working with people and meeting lots of people so I'm just wondering how that plays into this role it's to be honest it's not something I do so much of in my current role because we have like 
kind of a dedicated support team and also a dedicated kind of like a almost like a client client liaison kind of team or like product specialists but I think it's nice in this job because most of the time when I do get to interact with people it's people saying really nice things so it'll be someone being like oh I love your products and I'll be like oh thanks that's really nice um but obviously in my last job doing social media for um like I had a lot more kind of engagement with the public and it mm. it can be so varied I think a lot of the time it's really really nice if, if you can kind of build a relationship with people and kind of one of the nice things about social media is you do sometimes you get people kind of coming back and you'll you'll have a little chat and then you'll have another little chat and you can kind of feel like you're building up a bit of a rapport and yeah. kind of getting to know people on a level beyond just like I'm a I'm a faceless brand yeah. but yeah I do I really enjoy public engagement but it's also really hard and really draining yeah. um and I, I still do, I do it more probably in my freelance work where mm -hmm. I do kind of like teaching and kind of running sessions. That's like a lot more kind of customer facing. Mm -hmm. And I really love it. And I think you, you get such a buzz from like delivering a presentation, but also absolutely exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Like afterwards, it probably like knocks you out. And I think it's something that it's really hard to do that as like a full time job because you'd just be so tired. Oh, you have to be one of those really hyperactive people who just have the, the boundless energy for that <laughs> all the time. Most of us aren't like that. I, um, I don't think it can be achieved without <laughs> illicit substances, to be honest. <laughs> well, masses and masses of coffee. <laughs> Non-stop. Um, so let's, uh, let's touch on your, your volunteering uh, for a bit um i mean does that is that just a matter of giving something back or is there like does it give you more like work satisfaction in that you've got another outlet another avenue to kind of express different sides of yourself different talents different skills yeah i think it's there's an element of yeah like an element of kind of wanting to i think because a lot of the stuff I do is about with, like getting more women into tech. And I think a lot of that is kind of, I guess, like be, being the change you want to see or like knowing that I've, in my kind of degree, I was in a very male dominated department yeah. and found that challenging in many respects. So kind of on a, a purely selfish level, I would like more women to work in tech because it will be nicer for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, and it's also, I think it's a good way to consolidate my own skills. And I think I learn a lot about coding by trying to teach it. Mm. A lot of the time, kind of my students will ask questions and I'll be like, well, I don't know, let's we'll go look into that. Let's Google it. So I think it can be a really good way to kind of fill in the gaps in mm. some of my knowledge and kind of learn a bit more. Um, and it's just quite fun, like, especially the stuff I do with um, Leeds Libraries Code Club. I'm like a, a volunteer for them. And a lot of it's about kind of teaching kids coding or like teaching kids electronics. 
and a lot of the projects they do are just really good fun and it's mm. I really enjoy kind of you know sitting sitting at home messing about with a a micro bit trying to get it to flash flash up the particular colors I want or whatever and it, it's almost like a creative outlet I think in some ways where it kind of it almost gives me a bit of license to be like oh I'm just gonna spend a few hours working on something that's kind of objectively pointless but I'm doing it for code club so it's it's fine mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, so do you get quite a broad range of ages for that or is it um it's so for the code club it's key stage two so it's mostly i guess it's sort of eight to eight to twelve sort of age group um and then the stuff i do with code first girls is a mixture it's kind of anyone 18 plus like there's a mixture of university students or kind of like people that have just finished high school um but also quite a lot of there's a class that I'm teaching at the moment that a lot of people are kind of career switchers, I guess you'd call them. Like there's quite a lot of people who have maybe been doing something else and are now like, actually, you know, I think I'd like to pivot into tech because, you know, a lot of people are quite interested in it because it's quite like a flexible industry mm. and it can be quite good if you've got kids or need that kind of extra degree of flexibility. So I think yeah kind of I guess across the board you know every, everything from eight to about 40 at the moment <laughs> if you're listening to this then I assume that you have some connection to Leeds like you live here or you're from here if you are that person in Leeds or from Leeds and you haven't done a record for this podcast yet please send me a message now let's record your working hours session. Just think, if you're interviewed now and then you're still alive at the end of this decade and we still have electric power, breathable air and our heads above water, then you'll be able to listen back to your interview and be all nostalgic about how different everything is now. Please remember to like, share and subscribe to this show. Please become a patron. It's only a quid a month. You know where patron is. It's forward slash working hours pod. Please become a regular supporter. I will get to a thousand of these episodes, but I will do that quicker if you like, share, and provide some financial contributions so that we can raise the operating ability to reach those thousand listeners. And of course, for any loaner listening to this, the biggest help you can be is to come on the podcast. It's not scary, it's not stressful, and your voice will sound better with intro and outro music practicing it. You can also appear anonymously if that helps. I am really interested to hear from anyone in Leeds or from Leeds in whatever industry, sector or role you are in. What is your experience? How do you feel about work? What do you like and not like? What do you do, Leeds? Email this podcast now, workinghourspod at western-studios.com with a short bio and some suggestions of your availability. Uh, send me feedback, send me questions, send me comments, send me queries. Follow the show on Twitter at workinghours3 and on Instagram at workinghourspodleads. Next time on Working Hours, I will be talking to somebody else. I will probably put more of that up online as we get closer to it. Um, I will be back, same Leeds time, same Leeds channel. I will have another one out next Monday. Um, That's it. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Working Hours is presented, edited and recorded by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org.